I'm Toby Leary from Cape Gunworks. I'm passionate about all things Second Amendment. While I love to shoot... Going hot. There is so much more to guns than just pulling the trigger. A free and armed society is a responsible and self-reliant one. Join us to talk all things guns, freedom, and self-defense. It isn't just about being armed... It's about being responsibly armed. So load and make ready. This is Rapid Fire. Welcome to Rapid Fire, a 2 talk radio show sponsored by Vortex Optics and the USCCA. Tune in each week at rapidfireradio.us to join the conversation. And now you can call or text the Rapid Fire line, 508-444-2120. That's 508-444-2120. And remember to like us and subscribe on all of our social media platforms. Our uh, call sign is at Cape Gunworks on Facebook, Twitter, Twitch, Truth, Telegram, Rumble, all the good ones out there. And Cape Gunworks has been deplatformed on Instagram. Yeah. So we have three other social media sites on I'm mean, uh, handles on Instagram. One is CGW underscore backup. Then you can also follow rapid fire radio and you can follow our new one, which is reload cafe. Woo! And the beauty of those last two, the rapid fire radio and reload cafe is I can actually pay to promote those posts because they don't land on Cape Gunworks uh, homepage. So, uh, plus they're separate and different and all kinds of good. So check out what's going on on those. Uh, would love to have you join the conversation. Remember you can text or call the, uh, rapid fire line, 508-444-2120. Uh, pretty cool gun news out there. Uh, there's some good and some bad. So some of the bad is that, there's been legislation introduced by an outgoing uh, senator or representative who's not seeking re-election. He's a Republican out of New York who wants to register or license, federally license, all new, uh, quote-unquote, assault weapons sold. Um, so anyway, that's, uh, that is an unfortunate situation, um, and it's got a bunch of stuff but the total text of this bill hasn't come out yet they're teasing it out there saying basically uh we want to license separately a federal license for the civilian not for the business person like a federal firearms license that's not a civilian that's not in the business uh just so that you can possess a assault weapon and if you currently possess so-called assault weapon you will be grandfathered in but any new applicant or new person trying to buy said assault weapon will be required if this passes a uh, federal license of some sort. And this license will expire every five years. So, you know, that's the thing in light of the Bruin decision. Um, the people who are hostile actors towards your fundamental constitutional civil rights are not going to take defeat lightly or sitting down. They are going to 
put up a fight and they are going to come at you every which way to Sunday. So this is the latest iteration of that by a cowardly outgoing congressman from New York, a Republican who is not seeking re-election, but wants to leave his mark on his time in office by infringing upon your fundamental rights. So anyway, tell me what you think, 508-444-2120. And we have Jerry on the line. Go ahead, Jerry, you're next on Rapid Fire. I'm calling with a question. I submitted an application for my LTC in the town that I own a business in as opposed to the town I live in. They rejected me based on the fact I didn't live in the town, even though by law it states as long as I own a business, I could get my LTC there. Mm-hmm. We went to court on the appeal back in July. Still haven't yet to hear anything from the appeal. The judge told me in court that day that we would have his um, decision within 30 days. Mm. Is there a time limit to this, or can they drag this out for 10 years? I don't think they can. Um, I, will be, I will say that the, you know, they are required to, to address this. Um, they cannot drag it out. Uh, so you're constitutionally protected, Jerry, um, that you have a redress against your government and a speedy right to a speedy trial. So... I would definitely follow up with that. Did you represent yourself or was it, did you have a lawyer? I uh, acquired a lawyer from goal. Uh-huh. So I used it. I did use an attorney. And when I spoke to my attorney, they were the ones that told me that there was really no deadline as to when they had to render a decision mm. that they could pretty much take as long as they want. And then I read, um, on the inter- on the internet, that if a decision is not rendered within ninety days, that they have to grant you the license. Okay. I don't know if either one is true, so I figured I'd ask. Yeah, that's you know what this is definitely uh, way off the path of my expertise, um, and so I I do appreciate the call, Jerry. I wish I had more info. I was going to say contact an attorney, which you have, uh, so maybe he could look into that. Uh, you know that internet lore or legend of within 90 days that sounds about right to me um because there should be some sort of time frame like if you apply for a license to carry and it's not issued within 40 days uh attorney keith langer has mentioned many times you are technically giving given a denial and you can start the appeal process he doesn't recommend you actually start it but you start to get your ducks in a row because after you're denied, you have 90 days to appeal. So you've kind of already done that. Now you're just waiting on the uh, the decision on the appeal. Uh, so I would say that they are probably required to render a decision. Um, it sounds about right that 90 days would be uh, reasonable, as unreasonable as it is. Uh, you know, there's also been precedent about a right delayed is a right denied. So um, I would hang tight, but I would probably start prepping your um, legal defense with your lawyer, your attorney, you know, make sure everything's documented and what the next step should be should you not get that license. So 
uh, on how, and how to proceed. And next week when we have one of the lawyers on the line, I'll, I'll ask him this because it's a great question and something, uh, honestly, I've never even heard of before. But I think the town um, didn't have a right to deny you in the first place. So uh, good luck with that, Jerry. And let us know how you make out because I'd love to know um, how that all ends. And if I get some good information, we'll talk about it on the air. Um, remember 508-444-2120 if you want to be on the show today or leave us a message or send us a text and we will read it on the air if we don't get to your question today we'll try to get to it next week Um, but that's a great question and it's it shows how um, restrictive the schemes that government regulators come up with to impede and inhibit and prohibit your free exercise of your constitutional rights or your civil rights, um, even with some of the strongest language in all of the Bill of Rights, the Second Amendment has a well-regulated militia for the safety, you know, comma, the right to keep and bear, the keep and bear arms by the people shall not be infringed. So, I mean, it can't get any more plain or clear than that. You know, that comma, the right of the people to keep and bear arms shall not be infringed. But yet every regulator, every politician that raises their right hand and swears to uphold the Constitution against all enemies, foreign and domestic, they then go and break their oath of office. They violate their own word and they basically leak out their own soul in the process, if you ask me. So... (laughs) Uh, that's how I feel about it. But good luck with that, Jerry. And on the way out here, uh, we want to thank you for listening to Rapid Fire. So if you use this week's code CGW at CapeGunWorks.com, you'll get a very special discount on your entire online purchase. Not to mention free shipping if you make the $300 threshold. So go to CapeGunWorks.com and use the code CGW to get your discount today. We will be right back. This is Rapid Fire. Involved in something like this, the stress level, it can tear up a family. He said he was tried in the court of public opinion before he ever stepped foot in a courtroom, but surveillance video helped shed light on what actually happened. 50-year-old Ford employee Billy Cohort was charged with attempted murder for shooting his gun in the United Auto Workers 551 parking lot in June 2016. To have everything you work for taken away. Cohort was suspended and then terminated from his job with Ford, where he'd worked for nearly two decades. To have somebody have your back and have a company that have your back, and then they put me in touch with a great attorney. That was the best feeling. Go to uscca.com to learn more about protecting yourself and your family. Vortex offers the very best optics specifically made for shooters with rugged construction designed for extreme environments. Vortex Optics build quality ensures accurate, reliable, and repeatable performance every time you squeeze the trigger. Add fully multi-coated lenses and nitrogen purging, and you have a quality optic with an extremely reasonable price tag. That is the Vortex difference. Come into Cape Gunworks to see the full line of Vortex Optics today. Welcome back to Rapid Fire, your weekly show about guns, freedom, Second Amendment, and self-defense. 
And so uh, before the break, we were talking about uh, some of the gun news around the country about the good, the bad, and the ugly. Uh, We just talked about the bad, about how uh, this congressman, outgoing congressman from New York, uh, has introduced legislation that would ban or license a new purchase of a so-called assault weapons ban, which, by the way, a lot of the introduced legislation and a lot of the rule changes at ATF are consequently creating illegal gun registries. So that's the only way to enforce that type of uh, legislation, if it were to pass, is to actually have a uh, registry, correct, uh, in order to know when the gun was sold, the serial number, the you know those involved, blah blah blah, and um, it's been you know struck down already once by the, uh, the Supreme Court that uh, the government cannot create a registry of firearms because it would uh, it would violate the Fifth Amendment rights of, uh, against self incrimination. Um, from people who have been uh, prohibited by law from possessing firearms in the first place. Um, also, uh, registration is has been tried several times on the national level and failed because of that uh, that ruling. And even though it is illegal for governments to create these registries, they outsource it and they do it in many other ways. Massachusetts doesn't even quote-unquote qualify as a gun registration, even though the firearms transaction portal is just that. Every single firearm that gets sold in Massachusetts is registered with the state of Massachusetts. The funniest part of that is they don't generally take guns off the registration when you sell them. So every gun you've ever owned can be still attributed to you in some manner or form, even though it's obviously being sold again down the road via the serial number. And so it's an inefficient gun registry, but a lot of times when people have to surrender their license or they're uh, taken, uh, you know, their license has been suspended or revoked and the police show up at their door with the list of guns that they have, they sometimes don't even have those guns. And now how do you prove you don't have it anymore? You sold it. So that's exactly what the uh, Supreme court was talking about as it, um, you know, would violate your Fifth Amendment right from self-incrimination. So, in other words, if your if your license has been suspended or revoked, and the government knows all the guns you have, you don't have a, an ability to, uh, you know, exercise your Fifth Amendment right. So, anyway, that's just one of the many nuances of it. Um, but there is some good news coming out of uh, the court system. There was actually two this week from Texas. Uh, One was that, and this is a Fox News article, that the Supreme Court is poised to rule on a law rolling back big tech's ability to muzzle opinions. Um, This is is very, very well received in my ears. It sounds like uh, Mozart's or Beethoven's fifth or, you know, some of Mozart's symphony orchestras, you know, fill in the blank of your favorite music. Uh, but it's it basically is, is saying that a lawsuit in Texas that challenged the prohibition of uh, censorship 
by social media companies, it would fundamentally change the way big techs uh, are regulated across the country if the statute is upheld by the Supreme Court, where it's probably going to land. Because a Texas judge has uh, ruled that big tech has been violating the Texas uh, bill, which was signed into law by Greg Abbott, HB 20, uh, which says that any social media platforms with more than 50 million monthly users, that includes Google, Facebook, Twitter, cannot censor or limit users' speech based on the viewpoint of expression. Hello, can you say, you know, music to my ears. If you're not in the firearms industry or in a highly regulated industry like the firearms industry, you might not even be aware of the tactics involved by social media companies. We get posts routinely taken down and we follow their guidelines so we have to sometimes they give you an ability to appeal the decision or like think you got it wrong you know let us know and sometimes they're like this is down and out and there's nothing you can do about it and because of it your whole channel is about to be deplatformed which happened to us with our at cape gunworks handle on instagram so uh This story goes on to say that uh, the social media platforms are challenging the law in court, citing First Amendment protections. So they're saying they have a First Amendment right to censor your First Amendment right. Can you say circular reasoning? Uh, So this is extremely important uh, because, you know, you take the reason for the 50 million subscribers per month is it puts it in the same uh, category as, say, a utility company or a uh, internet service provider or a um, gas and electric provider. Like, pretend your gas company didn't like what you had to say on Facebook so they could shut your gas off, right? That's ridiculous. Um, But that's essentially what big tech is doing, and I love this ruling uh and it goes on to say here today we reject the idea that corporations have a freewheeling first amendment right to censor what people say judge andrew s oldham of the fifth circuit court wrote the case centers around the contention that hb 20 social media platforms are common carriers like at&t fedex or american airlines which make them subject to stricter regulations like non-discrimination laws because they dominate the market for a common public service. Yeah, and if they aren't going to be held to that standard, they should be broken up under antitrust law as far as I'm concerned because they are monopolies, right? Uh, There's no other platform that can compete with Google. There's no other platform that competes with YouTube. There's no other uh, platform so far that competes with Twitter unless you filter out all the bots that they say are actual users Maybe they're not that big, but they claim to be, so hold, them, hold their feet to the fire. Um, so anyway, that's, that's some really good news out of Texas. The other good news out of Texas is, um, and this is going to sound really weird, but a federal judge says that those accused of felonies still have Second Amendment rights, which on the surface... Uh, sounds like, oh, shoot, so you mean some gangbanger who's charged with a crime could still legally carry a gun until he's convicted? Yes, that is the negative side of this uh, ruling. But the positive side of the ruling is we have 
we are proven innocent or we're innocent until proven guilty, right? That's what protection under the law is. And that is a very important part of our rule of law in this country. You cannot discriminate against people. You cannot violate their um, uh, their rights without dangerousness hearings. And uh, it doesn't violate their right to vote. It doesn't violate their uh, right to um, the Fourth Amendment. It doesn't violate their right to the Fifth Amendment, where they don't have to incriminate themselves if they are charged or indicted on a crime. So why is the Second Amendment any other, any different? This is huge for people of Massachusetts, especially, or other states like Massachusetts, where I personally know of a guy who drew a gun in a self-defense situation, never fired a shot, never even pointed the gun at the bad guy assaulting him, actually assaulting, battering him and his his, uh, father. Um, And as a result, he was arrested. His gun was taken. The next day, they showed up at his house to seize his license to carry and confiscate every single gun he had with that aforementioned gun registry. They had the list of all the guns that he had. They went in, and they found all the guns and took them. Uh, And... You know, he was charged with a crime, which I don't know what the crime was. I guess it was violent assault with a dead, deadly weapon, even though he never even pointed it at the guy. And he it was an open shut case of self-defense. But anyway, um, so while this guy was being uh, rung through the legal system and uh, caused to empty his his savings account to hire attorneys and defend himself, uh, against an open shut case of uh, self defense, he was deprived of his Second Amendment right, and that's not right. Now the guy's left out there in the wind, so to speak, with no uh, protection or tool of protection or leverage upon another violent attacker. And this guy, who was already attacked by this guy, who knows if he was coming back for round two. Uh, so tell us what you think about this. Call or text 508-444-2120. Uh, but the, the, I think this is a phenomenal story. Um, coming out of Texas again, uh, U.S. District Court Judge David Counts cited the Supreme Court's ruling in New York State Rifle and Pistol Association v. Bruin, the gift that will keep on giving for a long time to come, I think, writing that he has not been able to find any historical precedent for barring those accused of a crime from exercising their constitutionally protected rights. Interestingly enough, I don't even think, I think you could take that one step further. And we've talked about this a little bit on the show. I've talked about it on other shows, but I haven't really gone with a deep dive. But I don't think there's legal precedent in the text, history, or tradition to continually deprive people of their right to keep and bear arms, even upon conviction after they have done their duty or done their service or paid their price or paid their debt to society. And I fall back on, if you're too dangerous to be trusted with a gun, you shouldn't be out walking the street. So if we can't trust you with a gun, then you are too dangerous to be out on the street because you could use another tool or weapon of expedience to harm or kill other people. And I'm not willing to take that risk. But we're going to a break, and you should go to rapidfireradio.us and check out the latest Rapid Fire gear. Show your Pro 2A by wearing a shirt, hat, or grab a flag. 
go to Rapid Fire Radio and click on Get Rapid Fire Gear. Jason Guida will be joining us next. You don't want to miss this. We will be right back. This is the Voltec VT-10i. It's your travel buddy, so it goes where you go. To your work, on the road, or at the range. It's the smart and rugged safe built to protect, no matter what you trust it with. We've made sure every inch of your safe is built to the highest possible standards. Security is at the forefront of our thoughts, so no unwanted guest. The VT-10i provides multiple quick and simple access points, including high-resolution biometrics, backlit numeric keys, keyed entry, and even your smartphone for remote access. The two-point anti-impact latches keep your safe strong. And Voltec lithium-ion battery charges in just 2.5 hours and lasts up to six months. So it won't let you down. There's a reason we're the number one rated biometric safe. Get yours at VoltecSafe.com and find us online at Facebook.com slash VoltecSafe. show all things guns freedom second amendment and self-defense i'm really glad to have joining us over zoom here on the line is uh attorney in massachusetts jason guida how are you today jason very good so be good to see you thank you for having me i appreciate my, it yeah my pleasure um uh, it's always good to talk to you and you've certainly been a friend of our shop you've done a lot of guidance for us over the years but why don't you tell everyone who's listening what it is you do and maybe a little bit about your background yeah absolutely thank you so I'm an attorney uh, that practices solely in uh, firearms law. I do restoration of rights, uh, representing individuals who violate our firearms laws. I represent firearms dealers, uh, and I do self-defense cases. I am a uh, referral attorney for the many of the self-defense insurance companies that are out there uh, right now. I formerly um, I was a prosecutor. Uh, I formerly served as the director of the Massachusetts Firearms Records Bureau. I also worked in the legislature uh, many years ago in the, on the Public Safety Committee, so I was directly involved in a lot of the firearms laws uh, that were uh, you know, crafted in the early 2000s. I prosecuted those crimes, um, I've defended against them, and, and I've, I've worked on firearms policy for the past 20 years. Awesome. Well, interestingly enough, there was a big story that came out in the Boston Globe, which has caused quite the brouhaha, I think, on both sides of the gun debate in Massachusetts. Um, and it was about the mill building in Littleton, which was, you know, in my opinion, I think it's great that Massachusetts can boast the highest density of FFLs in the nation. People are like, wait a minute, you guys are allowed to own guns in Massachusetts. But, and yet here we have one building that boasts the most FFLs of any other place in the nation. But uh, I have fallen victim on the many times I have talked to the media of having my words taken a little bit out of context or only printing the soundbite that they really want to have uh, come out and forgetting the half-hour narrative I gave them prior to that. I'm sure there's a little bit of that going on, and there's probably also you doing your job as a lawyer, which is to keep your clients out of 
the courtroom, right? So sure. why don't you talk a little bit about that? Some of the feedback you've got about about that article, uh, I'm sure on both sides of the argument and uh, what it is you were trying to accomplish in, in your talking to the Globe for that article. That's great. Yeah. No. So Toby, when, when I first spoke with the Globe, it was earlier this summer on this article. And when that article was being discussed, it was about uh, the attorney general and how she's now running for governor on a platform of being tough on guns mm. and marching around the state saying, well, look, look, I'm tough on guns. Look at this enforcement notice that I did in 2016. And my conversation was really about how hypocritical that is, how she it's an enforcement notice that she's not enforcing. And it really seems to be a press release, a press release with a purpose of running for higher office. Um, and what it's done is caused confusion, frustration um, among the gun community. And that was what the conversation was really about. Um, you know, why is she doing this? And quite frankly, why is she not, or is she afraid to enforce this enforcement notice? What is the problem here? Mm-hmm. Um, and I said in the article, and, and, and I, in that quote was in there, it's a press release. Right. Um, and I do, and I do believe that I do believe that, you know, it was put out there uh, with the intention of making it look like she's tough on guns, but truthfully um, really uh, not, having really the teeth uh, to, to enforce it. Yeah. And you and I have talked about this many times as far as a business decision of my shop, whether to sell AR-15 lowers or not, whether to do this mm-hmm. or not. And, you know, based on the enforcement notice, you say uh, you've given advice that, you know, hey, you got to make that business decision. I'll represent you. I charge this much an hour. But on the <laughs> other hand, uh, I, I would rather you not end up in the court in the first place. So, you know, ultimately the decision lies on the person or the business making that, that call. And frankly, the one thing I will say about her edict or her press release or whatever you want to call it, or enforcement notice is like you said, an enforcement notice that doesn't get enforced is, is a press release. But also it seems to me that it's, it's a threat, a veiled threat, that says we're going to come down on you with the full weight of the executive branch of government if you do this and participate in this. But on the same token, knowing that they are doing something that is unconstitutional in the process by violating your constitutional rights. Am I am I off base on something like that? Well, no, I mean, you're you're hitting on you're hitting on two very important points, I think. First, and you know, you added in the constitutional issue, which I definitely want to talk about. Um, because I know you've had other guests talking about uh, the recent challenges on, you know, using the language of Bruin to challenge assault weapons bans in Massachusetts, Connecticut, New Jersey. Um, That's certainly an issue, and and it's going to work its way through the court system. You know, we've seen uh, cases remanded after Bruin uh, to now revisit this issue, because most of the federal court decisions have said that the assault weapons are outside the scope of the Second Amendment. That's not clear anymore under Bruin. Mm-hmm. And I think that's that's going to be interesting and something definitely to follow as we go along over the next few years. Um, but sliding back, yeah, you know, you you point you point out a very important important point, and particularly about my practice and how I operate. Um, you know, I'm not the lawyer that's gonna tell you 
what you want to hear. I'm trying to help you stay out of trouble. I don't want you in my office, you know, charged with a felony, losing your job, your wife's leaving you, you're paying thousands and thousands of dollars in legal fees. Um, I want you to be safe. I want you to be happy. And I want you to be able to thrive. And when I see the attorney general's enforcement notice, what I see it is as a playbook for her argument in court. Mm -hmm. And I've been doing this a long, long time. And what I see in Massachusetts are judges that are willing to twist themselves into a pretzel to find a way to stick it to gun owners in that courtroom. The statute does say that copies or duplicates of assault weapons are illegal. But the statute doesn't tell us what the hell that means. Right. So what the AG has done is said, well, I think it means this. Okay. A judge now is going to listen to her argument, listen to my argument, and make a decision as to what that actually means. I'm worried. I'm worried that a judge could read that, interpret it in a way that is harmful. That's why I tell people, stay out of trouble. Right. Don't, don't look for that trouble. Don't be the guy that's standing next to me, hoping that the judge is going to see it our way. So now, now in light of Bruin, does that change your advice going forward? Not to say, hey, walk on the edge of the cliff, but to say, like, I think you have a little bit of extra legal protection at this point if you did, um, you know, acquire a, a AR-15 or a post-Healy AR-15 or something like that, because you now have some protection under the uh, Bruin. It hasn't been, nothing's been tried in court yet, but, you know, or successfully challenged in court but do you see any light on the horizon any optimism in any cases being brought to court in the next few years even no i i definitely so to answer your question does it change my advice i go back to kind of the core you know you know toby you own a business you're a family man i don't want to see you be the guy that's relying on an interpretation of Bruin at this stage, I would tell you, wait, there are challenges now that don't put anybody in jeopardy of criminal prosecution that are working their way through the court system. Let's see how those play out. Because again, I think at the lower courts, and if you talk to any of these groups that sponsor these, these cases, you know, they'll tell you in the district, you know, the first circuit, we're going to have a problem here. It's not going to be until you get to the Supreme Court that you're actually going to get a really solid decision on what does that Second Amendment protect? Is it just handguns? Is it all guns? Is what what is included in this language? So I do, Toby. I I say, look, if you're you you're willing to take that risk, if you want to go out on that limb, sure. Can we make that argument about a constitutional protection? Yes, we can. But remember, you're going to be prosecuted under Massachusetts law in a Massachusetts court with a Massachusetts judge and a Massachusetts district attorney. Yeah. And you, you, sorry to interrupt. And I do yeah. believe that's sage advice. And that's why we've heeded that <laughs> advice over the past few years of me making phone calls to you is mm-hmm. because at the end of the day, I have a responsibility to my family, to my business, to my partner, my uh 35 or odd employees that rely on me for employment, not to mention we were just uh, voted the 
number one employer on Cape Cod, the best employer on Cape Cod from 10 to 100 employees. Now, how can I look them in? Yeah, thank you. And how can I look them in the eye and say, hey, guys, I'm putting your job in jeopardy because I want to go out on this limb and be the test case. And in the meantime, get shut down or get non-renewed when I'm up for renewal because they deem me as unsuitable or whatever the case might be. And frankly, uh, the one difference between us and the mill, which I support the mill 100%. I do business with guys there. I send them guns. They send me guns. We're all in this together. We're all fighting the same fight. But frankly, on the end of the day, some of those guys are, like the article said, doctors and lawyers. They got their own practices. They got their own, you know, their dentists. They have their careers. They do this as a hobby type of thing Mm -hmm. on the weekends. I don't have that luxury of being able to do it on the weekends. And the whole point of bringing you on the show wasn't to defend my business uh, position here. It was basically, it just kind of solidifies why I do what I do. But on the other hand, I, I also wanted to ask you and say, you know, do you see any optimism and how long do you think it could possibly take to worm its way through the court systems if we're going to see some legal challenges on the AWB or the magazine capacity? I know uh, that one lawsuit just got filed. I'm sure there's going to be others. And mm-hmm. in your opinion, how long does something like that take to worm its way through? Yeah, I mean, we're looking at you know, five, seven years at least. Yeah. We're at the beginning stages. Um, Bruin took and, seven years, right? What's that? Bruin, Bruin took seven. seven years, right. Yeah. So that's, we're at the very beginning stages. You know, other other cases may have more legs than maybe the Massachusetts, the Connecticut. I know there's a challenge in California as well. Um, those might work, go faster. Um, but yeah, it's going to be some time, but five to seven years isn't, you know, never. Right. Um, and I And I do think, you know, I, I think we're going to see a significant loosening um, in many areas, not just what we saw with restrictions, but discretion, um, what you can own and what you can't. I think those things are coming. And I and I and I do. I think the government is reacting to it. And we saw that in August of this year where the legislature amended the Massachusetts gun laws again. They're reacting mm-hmm. um, because they know that something's coming down the pipe. Right. Um Real quick, uh, uh, along the, well, actually, can I hold you through the break, Jason? Would you stay on with me for one more? All right, let's stay on one more segment. On the way out here, I want to tell everyone what this week's discount code is. If you go to our website, it's going to be CGW is the discount code this week, which will get you great savings on your uh, entire purchase on our website. And don't forget, free shipping on any purchase over 300 bucks. We'll be right back with Jason Guida after this. become all the rage these days. Apparently the mainstream media has gotten all over this term and they're really misinterpreting what it means. And there's something that you need to know as a responsibly armed American. Constitutional carry simply allows you to carry a gun without a permit. That's it. It does not vacate your responsibility of what you're going to do with that gun. Remember, you are responsible for every action you take and certainly every round that comes out of that muzzle. And constitutional carry doesn't take that away. So when we're arguing with anti-gunners who are complaining that constitutional carry makes the world less safe, let's remind them that whether a state has constitutional carry or an over-the-top requirement for you to get your concealed carry permit, none of that takes away your responsibility when you're dealing with a firearm. 
You will be held accountable for your actions as every responsibly armed American should be. So make sure you get the proper training and you know your laws so you're doing the right thing. I'm Kevin Michalowski, editor of Concealed Carry Magazine. Go to uscca.com to learn more about protecting yourself and your family. Welcome back to Rapid Fire, your weekly show about guns, freedom, Second Amendment, and self-defense. And don't forget, you can call the Rapid Fire line, 508-444-2120, to ask your question, leave a message, or send a text. That's 508-444-2120. All right, continuing on this conversation with Jason Guida, a Massachusetts attorney who specializes in 2A. Um, one of the things that I was wondering before the break uh, is... You know, Maury Healy's obviously running for higher office. I think that was her play in this whole enforcement notice in the first place was to try to get a position in probably the Clinton administration should Hillary have won. And it might be no different now. Uh, do you think that if she's unwilling to enforce this notice or this press release as attorney general, if she were to become our next governor, God forbid, do you think she'll be in a position more to dictate to the incoming AG, hey, we want this enforced, so get out on the street and start rolling people up for, you know, violating my enforcement edict? Yeah, I mean, Toby, honestly, it, anything's possible. And the problem is, is this thing's hanging out there, right? It's just sitting out there waiting for someone to pick it up and run with it. Mm-hmm. And, you know, that that's concerning. It, it is concerning, and it's it's frustrating that, gun owners have to deal with this uncertainty all of the time. So, I mean, it's a, it's a reasonable, legitimate concern that you're raising. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, just jumping off something that you said a little earlier about those Littleton guys, look, I agree with them. I, I hope, and I, and I said this in the article, you know, this is a challenge to her authority. If they want to make that challenge, if they're willing to take that risk, do it. Absolutely do it. I'll represent you. I'm happy to do so. But again, my representation and what anytime I advise somebody, I'm trying to advise them in a conservative way because I've seen the impact that the criminal justice system has on people's lives, their livelihood, their families. I would rather you just live a very happy, you know, you know, non non court involved life. And that's why I tell people it's best to follow. Right. The the way to do it is through legal challenge, not through getting rolled up in my opinion because there's too much at stake if you get rolled up in a felony uh you know uh, charge or indictment and the legal challenge is the better way to go you could probably get support from all the big groups out there gun uh advocacy groups out there and and uh you know become a plaintiff in a well orchestrated case rather than Mm -hmm. just trying to become the next you know uh person who got rolled up in a in a felony that might make it to the court of appeals or the supreme court someday and have your name be the the next dick heller that's a long shot in my opinion most people don't end up there right and most people do end up a prohibited person and uh forever surrendering their their constitutional rights 
just the, to try to make a point. The system's set up against gun owners. You need right. to start from that position. Yeah. It, it, you stand in those courtrooms. You see how the judges work. You see how the DAs argue. You see how the police charge. I see it every day. The system is set up to hurt you, not help you. And so that's why I advise the way I do. I don't want to see you hurt. Yeah. Great advice. And Jason, I appreciate you joining us today. How can people find you if they want to call you up? They need their rights restored or license or some some issue about any of that. Absolutely, Toby. I appreciate it. My uh, website is uh, www.lawguida, L-A-W-G-U-I-D-A.com or 2A at lawguida.com. The phone number here is 617-383-4652. That's an emergency line. If you're arrested in the middle of the night, you call that number. We can get back to you right away. Awesome. Well, I appreciate everything you do for the Second Amendment here in Massachusetts. And I'm glad that we have some great lawyers in the state that are fighting hard for people's rights. And uh, I, I make you, I recommend people all the time up to your law firm, and hopefully uh, you, I, you'll continue to do some great work in this state. So thanks again for joining us, Jason. Thank you, Toby. Thank you very much for having me. Anytime. And don't forget, you can get Rapid Fire swag if you go over to rapidfireradio.us. Click on Get Rapid Fire Gear to get the Pro 2A gear you need to show your support of the Second Amendment. Go to rapidfireradio.us. And we will be right back after this. Made in America since 1949. Family owned and operated. Legendary performance. This is Hornady. Federal ammunition is 100. This is where the American ingenuity met a trailblazing spirit. Hard work united with patriotism and technology blended with new ideas. That's federal ammunition. Right here in Anoka, Minnesota, born in 1922, made in America, and proud to be the best. Federal ammunition, a century of innovation, and we're only getting started. SnapSafe, featuring a pry-resistant 316-inch solid steel door, 2300-degree Fahrenheit one-hour fire shield protection, and a lifetime warranty. SnapSafe, a modular safe with welded safe security. Welcome back to Rapid Fire, 508-444-2120 is the live phone number. You can call into the show or you can text your question at 508-444-2120. Leave a message when we're not broadcasting. Please include your first name, your location, and your question to 508-444-2120. Speaking of which, a texter has given us an update on something we're going to talk about in the second hour. So you got to stay around for the second hour because... First hour is almost in the back, but um, we have someone just <laughs> ironically and coincidentally asked a question or made a comment based on something I said on last week's show, which is going to give an answer to something we're going to talk about in the second hour. So I want to tease that out to keep you around and listening. So, and if you're listening on the radio, you're going to have to go to the podcast at capegunworks.com to get the second hour, unless you're listening on WCRN. All right, let's get to your questions on the chat. Um, I appreciate everyone who has jumped in the chat and 
Um, you guys make it all worth worth it because it's fun to interact with you in live um, streaming here. Um, so uh, one thing I talked about in the pre-show, the show before the show, about um, I had my buddy Rob Pincus texted me uh, over the weekend about how hysterical he thought it was and how it was a pro move on Governor DeSantis's part to send up a couple of plain loads of immigrants to Martha's Vineyard. And then he said, well, I think this is an awesome political move. How is it actually working out for you on the street in your local communities? And I said, well, they rounded up the 50 illegal immigrants, uh, got the National Guard involved and shipped them right off. They were deported in less than 48 hours from Martha's Vineyard. Uh, so, And as Gutfeld, Gutfeld liked to say, uh, that unless you're running a lawn and leaf blower or changing the sheets on my bed on Martha's Vineyard, we don't want you here, so take a hike. And they were deported quicker than ever. Uh, so, uh, you know, they're over at Joint Base Cape Cod, and one of them decided to do a little sightseeing. I guess they're not under any, like, they don't have, like, ankle monitors, and they're not, like, locked down. They can wander off if they want. And he ended up a, at a local Hyannis bar and had a few beverages and played some video games and then he was a couple bucks short on his tab when his government issued credit cards weren't going through so he had three of these government issued debit cards and the first two were all tapped out so the second one had some money on it but he was two bucks short for his bill and they said hey he's a good guy he's not disrupting us so let him stay and then at closing time he didn't want to leave so they said hey buddy uh you know it's been fun and it's been real uh but you don't have to go home, but you can't stay here. So they had to call the local police and get translators involved and everything. So I find that to be a, a comedy of the results of these policies um, that that happened. And so uh, some of the people in the chat have uh, set, ma- made some mentions that, um, you know, Obama's house could probably sleep 600 people. And I found it very interesting that the vineyard, which is very near and dear to my heart, I love that island. I did a ton of work over there in my other business, and I I love it over there. I really do. Um, but they go from twenty to thirty thousand year round residents to I'm sorry, uh, yeah, year round residents to about between two and three hundred thousand uh, summer residents. So that tells me that there's some housing there for about a hundred and fifty thousand to two hundred and fifty thousand illegal immigrants if the good people of the vineyard would just open up their homes <laughs> instead of, uh, you know, being so uh, short-sighted and wanting to kick them off the island within 48 hours. Uh, I think it stands for the quickest deportation in the history of our uh, country, but I don't want to get all political here. I found it to be a funny and interesting story and to see the uh, ramifications of it. Um, so that's one thing and uh, that got the chat going, but um HP asks if I'm going back to court for the AG edict from 2016 with the SCOTUS Bruin decision. And uh, no, uh, but there's already been a challenge by the National Gun Rights Group. Uh, We had Andrew uh, Kuchar on a couple weeks ago and to talk about that. And so, hey, hey, we're we're happy to see that happening. Uh, So there's already a plaintiff in that case and already a national gun rights group that has challenged that in court. So that's awesome. Uh, Scooter's wondering if you can use those magnets in your car while driving to secure your firearm instead of having it on your body, or is this considered not under your direct control? Um, I think Keith J., uh, Keith Langer opined about that a, a couple months ago when we asked him, 
And he said he did not think it would be prudent and reasonable to say that that is under your direct control if you somehow got in an accident and the gun fell off the magnet and you were injured and had to get taken out, you know, the gun would be unsecured in your car. So it'd be better if it was on your person or in some sort of lock, locked safe. Um, but, you know, I guess you'd have to take uh, a calculated risk if that's the way you're going to uh, treat it. I don't think it's a good idea to use those magnets. Um, yes, they're convenient to grab, uh, but A, the trigger is very much unsecured and I wouldn't want to shoot myself in the leg or something like that or the foot when I am under stress grabbing for the firearm and, you know, gra- grasping it, my finger inadvertently would hit the, could hit the trigger. So that I think for that reason, I wouldn't use one of those. Um, I like having the trigger completely covered. Even when it goes in my biometric safe at home, it is still in the holster or I've used those Kydex trigger guards that snap on the trigger and have like a tether to them that ties them to the back of the safe. So when you grab the gun and pull, it pops off in the process, but you won't inadvertently uh, fire the gun. So Harry's wondering if he got a non-resident license to carry in Massachusetts, could he carry his Glock 48 in Massachusetts? He's heard that you cannot, but that is absolutely not true. You can carry any gun that you legally own that does not violate the assault weapons ban or the magazine restriction ban, um, both of which should be uh, overturned here in light of the Bruin decision at some point. And as Jason Guida pointed out, it could take five to seven years to do that. But at least we have a glimmer of hope, some light at the end of that dark tunnel that we've been living in here in the People's Republic of Massachusetts. Um, HPS says uh, it's against the law to have a gun registration. Then why? what would happen as a gun dealer in Mass if he never did the transaction portal? Well, I do know of some case laws that relates to this, and that person would be charged with uh, violating Mass General Law and would definitely be non-renewed uh, for the state licenses. And then if you're not able to sell according to the state license, you would probably be non-renewed by your FFL, uh, by your ATF agent that is in charge of that. So I would say stick to the script until it's been challenged and done away with in light of Bruin. So uh, GWEBS has a good point that all cars on the road are registered and drivers are licensed. We still have accidents and cars used in crime. We still have drunk drivers and distracted drivers hurting people every day. Uh, so regulation creates bureaucracy, awareness, and normalization creates safety. Uh, amen to that. Um, interestingly enough, the government's at it again. Uh, the Democrat usual suspects, uh, Ed Markey from Massachusetts, our uh, resident gun grabber, and has teamed up with uh, Sidney Blumenthal from Cal- uh, Connecticut, who's also a serial gun grabber, have oh have uh, said that um, firearms companies are engaged in false and deceptive business practices based on their uh, their their uh, marketing and ad. Uh, their ads saying they're targeting guns towards children and they don't give the other side of how you're likely to get killed by your own gun. Well, I think they got a little bit of a problem with that. And uh, But this is just more 
government outsourcing what they can't get done on the federal level due to the Constitution, <laughs> asking the Federal Trade Commission to go ahead and carry their water, just like they asked the credit card companies to create this uh, merchant consumer code to track purchases of firearms, etc., etc. That's what they do. It's an all-out thousand-front war against your right to keep and bear arms. And we are going to continue to raise that banner high here at Cape Gunworks, here at Rapid Fire Radio. And it's the end of the first segment. you got to get online for the second hour. Thank you for tuning in. Remember, the show ends here, but it goes on for another hour, and you don't want to miss it. So tune in at rapidfireradio.us or Cape Gunworks. Text the Rapid Fire line, 508-444-2120. You can ask any questions or check out some of our online content. Freedom will always be on the right side of history. Stay tuned. We'll see you next time, or we'll be right back. I'm Toby Leary. This is Rapid Fire. May your tag of a lifetime finally come through. May the snow pile up and the elk come down. May your socks always stay dry. May the herd bull finally break from the herd. And may your aim always stay true. Welcome to the next level. Welcome to the Vortex. Alexander Hamilton said, Those who stand for nothing will fall for anything. This is Toby from Cape Gunworks. When our founding fathers drafted the Second Amendment, there was no question of its meaning. Today, if you have questions, come to Cape Gunworks for some advice, training, or to send a few rounds downrange. We have a fully stocked pro shop with a huge selection of guns, crossbows, archery, classes, rentals, a 15-lane range, and a friendly staff. Come on down to Cape Gunworks Airport Road, Hyannis, or capegunworks.com. This is the Voltec VT-10i. It's your travel buddy, so it goes where you go. To your work, on the road, or at the range. It's the smart and rugged safe built to protect, no matter what you trust it with. We've made sure every inch of your safe is built to the highest possible standards. Security is at the forefront of our thoughts, so no unwanted guest. The VT-10i provides multiple quick and simple access points, including high-resolution biometrics, backlit numeric keys, keyed entry, and even your smartphone for remote access. The two-point anti-impact latches keep your safe strong, and Voltec lithium-ion battery charges in just 2.5 hours and lasts up to six months, so it won't let you down. There's a reason we're the number one rated biometric safe. Get yours at VoltecSafe.com and find us online at Facebook.com slash VoltecSafe. Sponsored by Vortex Optics and the USCCA. Make sure you tune in each week at rapidfireradio.us 
To join the conversation, you can call or text the Rapid Fire line, 508-444-2120. That's 508-444-2120. Remember to like us on all of our social media platforms. Our handle is at Cape Gunworks on Facebook, Twitter, YouTube, Parlor, Twitch, Telegram, Truth, Rumble, Getter. There's all kinds of... Did we get kicked off Getter? No, we're still there. And I tell you, Telegram is awesome. I don't know what it is, but that is the least... Uh, that's my least able to grow social media. <laughs> and I like Telegram, but anyway... We're Cape Gunworks everywhere, except for Instagram, where we've been censored and deplatformed, and we are CGW underscore backup on Instagram. So find us, like, subscribe, comment, share, spread the word high and low, friends, neighbors, relatives, and enemies. Um, but there you have it. We're first hours in the bag, and we're going to go continue on with your questions and comments on the chat. Um I also have some other stuff I definitely want to get to, um, but let's continue on with some of the questions here. Um, Toy Town wants to know if I've checked out the new Ruger SFAR. So it's a it's a lighter version uh, of the AR-10, if you will, and Ruger has come out with this bigger and stronger where it needs to be and remains smaller and lighter than all comparable 308 rifles. Um, it's in available in a 16 and a 20 inch barrel offering. Um, and they basically say it, com- it combines the ballistic advantage of 308 Winchester with the traditional size of a AR 15 or a traditional M- AR, uh, or MSR. So, uh, the weight and size are like a regular AR 15, but it's got the knockdown power of the 308. Um, my, Initial thoughts on this gun are it would be an interesting rifle um, for, say, hunting, where I might want to take a lighter gun afield, um, but, you know, if I'm going to move around and I'm not just hunting out of a stand or a blind uh, in a state where you can hunt with rifles or an, and in a state you can hunt with a uh, semi-automatic rifle um, because you'll get the knockdown power of a three hundred eight for you know, medium size game hunting or large size game hunting. And, um, you don't need the long range accuracy or the stout stiff platform of a, uh, traditional 308, you know, AR 10. Uh, so that would be the application for me in home defense. I think it's a little overkill. I don't necessarily need 308 for home defense. I know 300 blackout or five, five, six is more than adequate, um, for the, for those roles. Uh, so, it's got a narrow slice of um, where it would be useful in my world, uh, but maybe if you have a designated marksman job as a, you know, you're the DMR for a local SWAT team or, you know, something like that, yeah, then it kind of might make sense, something to give you a little bit more range and a little bit more pop in the knockdown power of a uh, 100 to 200 yard or 300 yard gun tops then, yeah, that would be cool. Uh, but I just don't see limiting capacity to 20 rounds, number one, uh, versus 30 rounds in a you know traditional MSR. Um, and I don't see the need to go f- to 308 for uh, defensive purposes. But it's a cool gun, and I'm glad they're getting a little innovative and 
you know, starting to think outside the box. So yeah, that's cool. But I, I see it more of a hunting slot that it fills, but there you go. Um, let me know what you think. It's 508-444-2120. Um, Cape Cod's wondering, well, he says, I believe the system is broken because how can self-defense be treated as a criminal if it's plain as day? Well, most gun-related incidents in the state of Massachusetts, anyway, are going to be treated as uh, they're going to err on the side of caution. They're going to charge you, and you're going to have to defend yourself in court, let the court system hash it out rather than leave it up to a law enforcement officer's discretion as to whether or not you should or shouldn't be charged. Um, That's just the way it's been in Massachusetts. They're not going to have a hero's welcome for you if you defend your life and your family with a firearm, unfortunately. Uh, That's just the way it is. Some of the other states and stand-your-ground states and stuff like that do have um, a little bit of a different um, feeling about that. And a lot of times they choose not to charge you with any type of criminal activity if you do defend yourself with a firearm. Uh, You're still open to civil litigation Uh, from the family or the people involved there. So that could always happen. That's why I highly recommend you get good insurance from the USCCA, become a member of the USCCA. They have a great plan in place to defend you uh, if you ever need um, such said defense. And by the way, that doesn't apply just to a firearm. Any weapon of expedience or any weapon of convenience, if you end up defending yourself in any type of situation, they will uh, come to your aid financially and legally uh, and defend you in, in court. So um, there you go. So I would look into that. USCCA is really good for that. Um, Cape Cod says, I never got arrested, but you were served a suspension letter while not being charged officially until two months later. Yeah, there you have it. That's basically what this uh, ruling in Texas is addressing. Obviously, a Texas ruling will not have any effect on us in Massachusetts unless or until it makes its way up to the Supreme Court or unless and until a legal challenge is presented locally in the First Circuit Court of Appeals. So um, I would love to see them use and reference the Texas case uh, in the First Circuit as a legal precedent, even though it doesn't necessarily apply to us and it doesn't affect us. It only affects the named parties in in that district. So uh, there you have it. But uh, there's definitely no reason for you to be treated like a criminal uh, for defending yourself, and nor should they be able to disarm you if you have defended yourself um, and you are left in the wind while you're uh, mounting your legal defense. Um, Let's see. I would take... uh, the risk if the lawyer was no cost to me, HP says. Well, um, yeah, be a. <laughs> uh, that's the way you do it. You know what I mean? Like I said, be a plaintiff in a legal challenge that's being brought by Firearms Policy Coalition. They're always looking for plaintiffs. So I would contact FPC if you want to be a plaintiff in Massachusetts. Um, they are always looking for people that are willing and not everyone's qualified to be a plaintiff. So you could, uh, you know, pr- put yourself out there and they could say, ah, nah, we don't want you not that, uh, you know, for whatever reason. Um, so there's a lot that goes into a bringing a case like that. So I would say go ahead and, uh, contact them. But, um, yeah, that would be a huge service to the, to the state and the good people of Massachusetts who are just trying to follow the, 
minutia of laws and be responsible gun owners in the state. Um, five to seven more likely, 20 years. That's why they pass BS laws because they know it will take forever to make its way through the courts. So what do these AG and politicians give a care? Yeah, um, that's uh, you're 100% right. Um, they're always playing with house money. I think there needs to be a way for a very savvy law firm or, and you know, who the people that are expert at doing this is the ACLU, uh, taking civil rights cases to the Supreme Court or, or charging mayors or prosecutors or uh, U.S. attorneys or district attorneys that uh, violate your constitutional rights because there's case law from the Supreme Court that anyone who willingly and knowingly uh, denies you your constitutional rights can be personally liable. So until we get them out from that protection of the immunity of their job, where they can stand behind their, uh, their network of lawyers that work for the state or the feds, and they're playing with taxpayer dollars. So they have unlimited resources to come at you. Um, so until they can be brought out into the open and personally held responsible for violating your constitutional rights, they're going to continue to do it. And I think that any law that states that they are immune or can be hide behind some sort of uh, legal protection by the state in the professional duty that they are doing, if they violate your constitutional civil rights, then they should be out in the open and the state should say, hey, you're on your own. Even if they're following the law that the legislature passed, if it's unconstitutional, they've sworn their oath of office to say, hey, um, I will swear to uphold and faithfully execute um, fill in the blank, right? You know the thing. Uh, but they're there to protect the Constitution against all actors, foreign and domestic. And if they violate that oath of office, they should be personally held liable. All right, if you're hearing this and you don't have a gun license, we recommend that you sign up for one of our regularly scheduled LTC classes, including ladies only and couples classes, like the one on October 15th. Sign up today at capegunworks.com. We will be right back. I'm Toby Leary. If you're involved in something like this, the stress level, it can tear up a family. He said he was tried in the court of public opinion before he ever stepped foot in a courtroom, but surveillance video helped shed light on what actually happened. 50-year-old Ford employee Billy Cowart was charged with attempted murder for shooting his gun in the United Auto Workers 551 parking lot in June 2016. To have everything he worked for taken away. Cowart was suspended and then terminated from his job with Ford, where he had worked for nearly two decades. To have somebody have your back and have a company that have your back, and then they put me in touch with a great attorney. That was the best feeling. Go to uscca.com to learn more about protecting yourself and your family. 
Vortex offers the very best optics specifically made for shooters with rugged construction designed for extreme environments. Vortex Optics build quality ensures accurate, reliable, and repeatable performance every time you squeeze the trigger. Add fully multi-coated lenses and nitrogen purging, and you have a quality optic with an extremely reasonable price tag. That is the Vortex difference. Come into Cape Gunworks to see the full line of Vortex Optics today. Welcome back to Rapid Fire, your weekly show about guns, freedom, Second Amendment, and self-defense. And we are glad you're here. We're talking to you on the chat line. You can also call or text 508-444-2120. That's 508-444-2120. And I have a rogue dog trying to jump up in my lap and be a part of the show. But I'm sorry, Arlo, this show is not about you. So you're going to have to go lie down. (laughs) Oh, my gosh. Um, Anyway, uh, we talked a little bit about uh, some of the stuff going on in the news and uh, GOA has sent a letter to joint members of Congress asking for more, who are talking about asking for more money for the ATF. And there's a great article, uh, Guns and G- Gadgets did a video on it, and Aiden Johnson of Gun Owners of America wrote this letter. And uh, basically, point-by-point point takedown of the ATF's, you know, constant rule changes and regulations, how it affects the uh, responsible gun owners out there and the confusion it creates, how they are asking for more money. Why is it that they're asking for more money? And they're asking for more money uh, to be put in funds for ATF agents that are killed in the line of duty. And they they bring up an interesting point, like with all these rule changes that are going to create more uh, confrontation and possible uh, violent encounters with people because of the enforcement of new said rule changes. Um, Are they expecting that ATF agents are going to be killed in the line of duty by all this? And that's something that I think that Firearms Policy Coalition points out regularly in a lot of their um, article or a lot of their letters to Congress is that uh, the violence that their rule changes creates and the threat to put responsible taxpaying gun owners and family people in government cages is a real risk. And it's all based on a very subjective, slippery slope um, based on whatever way the wind is blowing. Uh, take the bump stock or take the uh, pistol brace cases uh, as a perfect example. Now they're saying that there's going to be an amnesty period for people who have braced pistols, which is probably somewhere in the neighborhood of 20 million people. And they, uh, Aiden Johnson very articulately points out that at the current rate of uh, processing forms, from the NFA branch of the ATF, it's going to take the ATF 80 years to get through the backlog of forms they're going to have if they open up this period of amnesty to say everybody who has a braced pistol needs to make it into an SBR. We're going to waive the fee, but file your paperwork today. 
It's going to take 80 years at their current processing rate to get all these forms through. That is amazing. And so I love how he closes out his letter and he says, oh, and by the way, remember that all gun registration leads to confiscation. That's where it leads. That's what history teaches us. And so every new scheme or regulation that the ATF proffers or puts out there is ultimately leading to gun confiscation because it is an interim uh, registration because you can't enforce it without registration. That's the way it works. So uh, I recommend you look up that, uh, check out Jared's video from Guns and Gadgets. Um, So that'll be great. Not to mention, he talks about how already every gun sold in the last 20 years by default has been registered with the federal government illegally. So I think that's a very good point that a lot of people don't talk about. Not to mention the ramifications of people who get jammed up for these nonviolent rule infractions that end up making them into a prohibited person or a uh, criminal. They can be charged criminally in a lot of cases on things that Congress has made no law on. But the regulations that the ATF have changed over the years have serious dire consequences for the responsible person. Even some of the people who knowingly and willfully refuse to comply. And that has been the mantra in the past five years, let's be honest, from the firearms industry. And I've said it myself, I've put it on our marquee out on the front sign, said, shall not comply, right? There's t-shirts and bumper stickers. There's, you know, people's email handles on their uh, email signature lines. There's people on forums. There's uh, tons of Instagram Facebook, YouTube videos of all the people that are saying they will not comply. Well, there's 20 million people that are possibly going to be in a position to either A, comply or not comply. And are you willing to put everything on the line, your ability to carry a gun concealed, your ability to own guns in your home, your ability to defend your family should the need arise, your ability to defend someone in the public space that might need you to come to their aid if that's what you've chosen to do, all to say, I will not comply. And if you don't comply, you're putting yourself at risk of being put in these violent government cages uh, for a nonviolent regulatory infringement upon your constitutional rights. What do you got to say about that, guys? 508-444-2120. If you want to text in, call, or uh, leave a message. Um, I think what I just said is really the crux of that whole Molon lobby shall not comply um, sentiment. We all feel that way. But when the rubber meets the road, how many people chose not to comply with the bump stock? And there's a difference between conscientious objection and being sneaky, right? Like hiding it in the rafters of your attic behind the insulation 
is not the same as going on social media and holding your illegal whatever regulation breaking firearm for the world to see saying, hey, come and get it, Mullen Lobby. Um, there's a big difference between those two because one has zero impact on bringing attention to the cause or to the claims of uh, infringement and the violent schemes that the ATF is up to. Let's think about some of the violent past of the ATF as they enforce these arbitrary and capricious infringements upon your constitutional rights. Randy Weaver, Ruby Ridge, you know, the the guy who got him to cut, the, the federal agent that got him to cut down the barrel a half an inch under 18 inches created a situation where his son was shot in the back, his dog was shot, his wife was shot in the head while they held their newborn baby. Not to mention everything that came out as a result of that. How about Waco, Texas? You had them going to inspect the fact that they thought they didn't pay a $200 tax stamp on a $200 tax on a machine gun when they were using uh, a Hellfire trigger, which was the precursor to the bump stock or the binary or, you know, whatever. It was a very static uh, aftermarket thing that you could buy at every gun show in America. They were all the rage. We had them in our Mini 14s, our FNFALs. We had them in our Ruger 1022s, although they didn't work so hot in those. Um, But, and basically, once you figure it out, you can do the same thing with your thumb and a belt loop on your jeans. It was a waste of 140 bucks. But the point remains, um, they were using these Hellfire triggers and the ATF went there and had this massive siege and standoff that ended up with hundreds of people being burnt to a crisp by government and paramilitary government uh, actors. So this is the result of what happens when there's rule changes to something that Congress themselves have not made law of. And there is dire, life-altering, life-changing consequences as a result to defying the ATF's regulations. And so I think that is uh, a humongous, humongous uh, elephant in the living room. And we all talk about, you know, law-abiding citizens, right? Um, There was an article I just read about uh, two, um, two people in New York, upstate New York, that got charged with, uh, oh, actually, Bearing Arms has a uh, article about it. Um, Tom Knighton on Bearing Arms wrote an article about, and honestly, I don't like the approach he comes to this because you can take this two ways. Uh, I'll give you his way, and then I'm going to give you my way. So it says the state of New York has some very strict gun control laws on the books. Gun control advocates tell us over and over again that gun control works. This would explain why, despite the state's ban on so-called ghost guns, in high-capacity magazines, two men in upstate New York were just arrested for having both, right? We'll bring this up on the other side, but the state police say two upstate New York men had numerous ghost guns and large-capacity ammunition feeding devices not compliant with the New York SAFE Act. 
Dwayne Hollenbach, 53, and Alec Hollenbach, 19. Both of Chenango County are now facing two felony charges, second and third degree criminal possession of a weapon, according to state police. And it goes on to say, Tom says, nah, it can't be because gun control works, or so I'm told. So this is simply impossible. I'm going to give you another way to look at this on the other side. But pepper spray class is back. This class is for people that want to learn about alternatives to lethal defense in the class where you actually dispense water-based practice spray units. Plus, you'll learn all facets of non-lethal defense. So go to capegunworks.com and click on the uh, sign up next. Actually, we got Keith Langer next. Then we'll bring up the Bearing Arms article about these ghost guns and high-capacity mags. We'll be right back. I'm Toby Lear. Voltec VT-10i. It's your travel buddy, so it goes where you go. To your work, on the road, or at the range. It's the smart and rugged safe built to protect, no matter what you trust it with. We've made sure every inch of your safe is built to the highest possible standards. Security is at the forefront of our thoughts, so no unwanted guest. The VT-10i provides multiple quick and simple access points, including high-resolution biometrics, backlit numeric keys, key entry, and even your smartphone for remote access. The two-point anti-impact latches keep your safe strong, and Voltec lithium-ion battery charges in just 2.5 hours and lasts up to six months, so it won't let you down. There's a reason we're the number one rated biometric safe. Get yours at VoltecSafe.com and find us online at Facebook.com slash VoltecSafe. Rapid Fire, your weekly show about guns, freedom, Second Amendment, and self-defense, and sometimes legal questions. We have one of our regular contributors to the show here, attorney Keith Langer. Thank you, Keith, for joining us. How are you today? I am fine this afternoon, Toby. I hope you are equally well down there on the Cape. Oh, it's a beautiful day in the neighborhood. So um, real quick, I'd love to ask you about uh, something that comes up a lot in questions about ammo storage and what is required under mass general law as far as storing ammunition in the home. Uh, so go ahead. The floor is yours. What do you say about that? Well, if you, you have, have so much ammunition, you have to worry about, about it. My hat's off to you. you. <laughs> and if you don't, you need to up your game. Everything. Uh, if you've got enough powder, primer, and projectiles, you have to worry about a permit. Kudos to you. Now, for most people, it will not be an issue. You can have up to 5,000 rounds of small arms ammunition. That's rifle, pistol, shotgun, rimfire, centerfire. You know, without a permit for most people. It's 5,000 rounds for shotgun. It is the same for rifles and pistols, where it gets tricky is if you are a reloader, 
if you are reloading, then you're limited to no more than 10,000 primers, which is 10 bricks. Okay. So many people were stocking up at the time that they may have gotten near that at one point, uh, probably not near that now after two years. So 10,000 round, 10,000 primers without any permit, 5,000 rounds of shotgun ammo, 10,000 rounds of rimfire or center fire ammo. You do not need to get the permit from the fire department. Okay, so just to be clear, because I thought you said 5,000 rounds of ammo, but you're saying it's 10,000 rounds of rimfire or centerfire ammo and 5,000 rounds of shotgun ammo. Correct. Okay. If you get to more than that, you need to get the permit from your fire department. Okay. The first time I went to get one, they didn't even know about it. We, <laughs> I had to explain it to them. Yeah. I, I had a very similar experience when I opened up my uh, – my gun shop with the FFL, I said, well, we have more than, I forget what it was at the time. It was like a hundred thousand rounds of ammunition or something. So they needed to give me a special permit or something. But, um, that sounds like a lot of ammunition to the lay person or to the outside observer. But honestly, a lot of people who shoot like gallery competition or shoot competitive, uh, you know, IDPA IPSC or action pistol or something like that, it's really not that much, especially when you think about a case of rimfire ammunition, a case of 22 LR is 5,000 rounds. Exactly. That's not a whole lot of ammo, especially when you can fit it in one little cardboard box. Yeah, Most people will buy their 22 ammo in the traditional brick of 500 rounds. Right. And if there's a sale on somewhere... They'll, they'll buy more. And, and if you are, as you said, in rimfire competition, they will buy cases of it. Once they find the batch they like, they will buy cases of that batch number. They're that picky right? to stock up on it. And if you are not fortunate enough to be able to reload, or even more fortunate, if you're not a sponsored shooter, and you've got to buy your ammo for IDPA or IPSC, where you're going through 150 rounds at a match, if you're, even if you're shooting Steel Challenge, a nominal 125 rounds per match, you're going to be buying in quantity. Right. If you're reloading, then the primers, well, there are 1,000 primers in a brick, so it's like buying 22 ammo. That's 10 bricks. Right. And if you're reloading, you may need up to four different bricks. You have rim, me, you have small and large rifle, you have small and large pistol primers, and that's not getting into the magnum right. or match primers. Yeah. Now, powder, you can have up to 16 pounds without getting the permit. Okay. If it's black powder, that's less. <laughs> A little more volatile. Yeah, yeah. you, you can, can have, have uh, uh, up to five pounds of black powder without getting the uh permit when you start getting up to the larger amounts you want the permit the main advantage of the permit is to protect you from your insurance company denying a claim mm. that's the real issue got it but 
people say, well, where is this? It's not in the Mass General Laws. This comes under the Massachusetts Comprehensive Fire Safety Code. So you're in 527 CMR 1304. Again, 527 CMR 13 period 04. Licenses, registrations, permits, and certificates. So to recap, you got 10,000 rounds of rim fire, 10,000 rounds of center fire, 5,000 rounds of shotgun, 10,000 primers, and no more than 16 pounds of smokeless, and only a couple pounds of black. Now, is that cumulative, or is that for each category? If you check the box on one category, you need the permit. They break it down into three sections. So my analysis is you could have up to 25,000 rounds if it was composed of rim, center, and shotgun. Okay. Got it. So they break it down into paragraph one, subparagraph A, sub-subparagraphs one, two, and three. Not more than 10,000 rounds of rim fire, not more than 10,000 rounds of center fire, not more than 5,000 rounds of shotgun ammunition. Got it. Now, with all of this, let's say you exceed and you need to get the permit. Are there any special storage requirements or do they just want your money and want to issue you a permit? The permit's primarily to let the fire department know what you've got. Sure. That there may be an issue. And if you're in a multiple family home, uh, you're dealing with more complications. Okay. So there's now, no... They, in terms of the storage, basically, you want your ammunition secured and in... They say the factory box, but anybody who reloads knows the factory boxes are cardboard and fall apart. So if you're using like an MTM box, any of the containers designed to hold your ammunition, you're good there and for going through the airports. I know that they say, oh, it has to be in the, the, uh, the manufacturer's box. Well, again, if you've got it in an MTM box and it's taped, it's unlikely you're going to be given any difficulty. Sure. So um, just to recap, there's no like special cabinet requirements. And I think under mass general law, obviously it's a responsible thing to do to lock up your ammo, but I don't even think it's required under mass general law, if I'm not mistaken. Correct. Not that I recall what you don't want to do. I see people doing this, putting it in a safe. Well, yes, your safe is supposed to be fire resistant and all that, but why would you want to put something that is that combustible in a very, very tightly secured container? Mm. Ammunition and propellants, primers should be in something that will open very easily if under any sort of pressure. So I use a, a wood cabinet with just a latch. Yeah. Uh, a file cabinet, your basic file cabinet is fine. Not the heavy fireproof ones, just your basic $30 Home Depot file cabinet mm-hmm. will keep all your stuff organized. You can lock it. And at the same time, if you do have a fire, it's not going to turn into a grenade. Mm, great point. 
Well, I think we beat that one to death. Thank you very much for that, Keith. And just as a sorry to throw a whammy at you from left field here, but uh, we had a question on the Grace uh, Curley show yesterday, and it stumped the chump. So I figured I'll return the favor to you and uh, see about non-resident license to carry. I know the state has changed some of the wording as it relates to, or the guidance as it relates to suitability and restrictions and all that for residents. But what about a guy from New Hampshire that has a non-resident license to carry that is restricted to sporting and employment? Can, is his license automatically, do those restrictions automatically go away like the resident ones or does he have to reapply or, or call the FRB or something like that? That is an a special situation because we have nothing that says that Bruin applies to non-resident licensing. Hmm. One can argue by analogy, a permit is a permit is a permit, and it should make no difference whether you're a resident or a non-resident. However, this is Massachusetts, and I wouldn't count on the courts doing anything like that unless until they're told to by the Supreme Court or at least the SJC. Mm-hmm. I would suggest you, if you hold a non-resident LTC, write the FRB. Write, not call, write the FRB and ask for clarification as to whether Bruin has, in fact, negated the restriction on your non-resident license. In the unlikely event it says yes, then first scan that letter into your computer so you always have it, and second, make a copy of the letter and bring it with you any place you're going with your non-resident permit, which you are now carrying outside the old restriction. All right. Fair enough. Well, that's great. Uh, advice there. Hopefully someday we'll all be on the same page and people will recognize the right to keep and bear arms shall not be infringed. Wouldn't that be nice? It would be. (laughs) I might have a few uh, years of wishful thinking ahead of me for that, but you never know. And uh, I think at least with the gift of the Bruin decision, we have many years of some positive stuff coming out of the courts. So uh, Keith, thank you for your time on this. And how can people find you if they need to get a hold of you and request your services? Well, the best way is just to call the office, which is 508-384-8692. Again, 508-384-8692. And what also works well is go to my website, kglangerlaw.com. And that will give you a link to the office and a phone number you can call and a breakdown of my areas of practice. So between those two, kglangerlaw.com and 508-384-8692, you should get a hold of me. And, of course, there's always Google. That's right. All right. Awesome. Thanks so much, Keith. We appreciate your contributions. And uh, we'll see you next time. And. Don't forget to check out Date Night every Friday night and Ladies Night on Thursdays or try our range experience package. No gun license required. You will be under the supervision of our great range safety officers. More after this, we will be right back. This is Rapid Fire. become all the rage these days. Apparently the mainstream media has gotten all over this term and they're really misinterpreting what it means. And there's something that you need to know as a responsibly armed American. Constitutional carry 
simply allows you to carry a gun without a permit. That's it. It does not vacate your responsibility of what you're going to do with that gun. Remember, you are responsible for every action you take and certainly every round that comes out of that muzzle. And constitutional carry doesn't take that away. So when we're arguing with anti-gunners who are complaining that constitutional carry makes the world less safe, let's remind them that whether a state has constitutional carry or an over-the-top requirement for you to get your concealed carry permit, none of that takes away your responsibility when you're dealing with a firearm. You will be held accountable for your actions, as every responsibly armed American should be. So make sure you get the proper training and you know your laws so you're doing the right thing. I'm Kevin Michalowski, editor of Concealed Carry Magazine. Go to uscca.com to learn more about protecting yourself and your family. Welcome back to Rapid Fire, your two-way talk show that you can call into, text, or leave a message anytime. It's 508-444-2120. That's 508-444-2120. And you can be a part of the show. And we're going to get right back to your questions I teased out before Keith joined us about my take on the two people that were charged in New York for illegal possession of a high-capacity magazine and unserialized firearms. Um, and I guess I was a little um, misleading as my analysis of the article on bearing arms because um, Tom Knighton, who wrote the article, does kind of tease it out a little bit further down. And he says, for the law abiding, you could give them a rocket launcher and without worrying if they would misuse it. Um, so actually, I skipped ahead. Uh, He says, see, the problem with gun control isn't just that it infringes on people's rights. It does that, of course, but it doesn't just do that. It also simply doesn't work, meaning people are going to get these items anyway because, A, they don't like to be told what to do. B, they're either criminal or they're noncompliant. So there you have it. Or C, I guess they're ignorant. They legally bought these products once upon a time. And then the regulations changed, and now they're in gross violation of these regulations, which have serious criminal consequences behind them, which is, I think, the most unfortunate of all rule changes and regulatory um, you know, schemes that come along by these three-letter agencies. So uh, my opinion of this situation that Bearing Arms wrote about charging these two for illegal possession of high-capacity magazines and quote-unquote ghost guns uh, or unserialized firearms are that they are a victimless crime. So now these people are charged with Class 3 and Class 2 felonies in the state of New York for a victimless crime for violating a regulatory scheme or violating a state law that runs afoul of the Constitution by actors such as Governor Hochul, who has signed in this newest law, but she wasn't there. It was Andrew Cuomo under the SAFE Act. I believe he was the governor who signed the SAFE Act into law. But 
more importantly, um, if you look at these laws as they affect the quote-unquote law-abiding citizen who might just be ignorant of a rule change or B, they are saying, uh, yeah, this is ridiculous. Once upon a time, I didn't have to do this, but now I do, so they're just not going to do it because they're not a threat to anybody or they're not causing any uh, problems. So they might be willingly violating these regulations, but frankly, they weren't in violation of any regulation or law prior to the rule or law change, and they bought it legally in the first place, and now all of a sudden they got to do something else. So this is what's going to happen when people are required to register their braced pistols because there's going to be people that are going to say, no, I'm not doing that. There's going to be people that don't know they need to do that, and then there's going to be people that say, heck no, I'm not doing that because come and get it. Mullen Lobby uh, will not, shall not comply. And this will create a interesting situation for the courts, uh, all for a victimless crime, a victimless violation of rule change. And all it really wants to do is point the spotlight on all gun owners and say, see, you're just a felon waiting to happen. That's why we got to keep track of you. We got to register your guns. We got to make sure that, you know, you're not in violation of these rights. We got to make sure we register the guns that you do have because you could come up with some ghost gun that we don't know about. And that would be not good. Why would that be not good? Because we don't know about it. So I have a right to keep and bear arms under the Constitution. Why do you need to know about it? Because we do. Because we're more important than you. We're government officials and we say so. That's really the only conclusions I see. Um, But anyway, if you want to travel to other states or be compliant in other states, you can get the Utah 36 state concealed carry license if you come to our Utah non-resident class. Go to capegunworks.com and sign up today. It's under the classes And we have one on the books that you don't want to miss. This is Rapid Fire. We will be right back. Made in America since 1949. Family owned and operated. Legendary performance. This is Hornady. Federal ammunition is 100 This is where the American ingenuity met a trailblazing spirit. Hard work united with patriotism and technology blended with new ideas. That's federal ammunition. Right here in Anoka, Minnesota, born in 1922, made in America, and proud to be the best. Federal ammunition, a century of innovation, and we're only getting started. Snap safe. Featuring a pry-resistant 316-inch solid steel door, 2,300-degree Fahrenheit one-hour fire shield protection, and a lifetime warranty. SnapSafe, a modular safe with welded safe security. Welcome back to Rapid Fire, your weekly show all things guns, freedom, Second Amendment, and self-defense. 508-444-2120 is the number if you want to be on the show or text in a question. And speaking of texting a question, um, we had someone on the text line 
that uh, commented on uh, the license to carry restrictions that we got on at the end of the call with uh, Keith Langer there. So um, he says, basically, it's not a question. It's just part of your show. I believe you were talking about restrictions on LTCs. If you read this uh, on the air, please don't use my name. But he was recently interviewed for a non-resident LTC in Mass and was told absolutely they do not restrict the licenses anymore because of the Supreme Court decision. So that's a good thing. Yay. A win for the good people of America. So if you get your non-resident license to carry, according to this texter, um, he says uh, that they do not restrict them any longer. And uh, I would still take the legal advice of Keith Langer and give the FRB a call if you have a current license that is restricted. But anyway, um, there you go. There's a lot of comments on the chat about uh, the storage of ammunition in the home, like how many people, is this per dwelling, blah, 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 blah. And basically what it comes down to is um, it's all, uh, what did I say? I would call them, call the FRB. Keith said write them. I say call them. Do both. How's that? Call them and write them. There you go. We'll really jam it up. Anyway, uh, getting back to what I was talking about is if you have more than the regulatory or license or law allows for ammo in the home in Massachusetts, you can get the permit. It's not a big deal. And then I think you're allowed like up to 100,000 rounds in the home. And the funniest thing is it still doesn't require any special storage of said ammunition. You don't have to lock it up. You don't have to do anything different with it. You just got to get a permit, pay a fee, tell them that you're, you have it. And then, you know, if you're a reloader or a competition shooter, you're stockpiling hordes of ammo so that it can be on the news later when they finally say we're all felons and round up our guns and they want to comment on the stash of ammo that you have, then I would just get the permit. So it's cheap. I think it's like five or 10 bucks a year. And uh, once you do it, you just renew it if you can continually have those uh, levels of ammo. But like I said, it's real easy to get to those levels. And Keith points out a really good point that uh, the real reason to do it isn't because you're worried about them kicking your door in and, you know, counting the bullets you have on hand. It's more so that your insurance company cannot deny you if for some reason your gun cabinet caught on fire and all the primers you know, went off and caused a fire or something like that. So there you go. And G-Webs points out that guns to, uh, loaded ammunition does not explode. It cooks off, which is a good point. Um, I don't know if all the primers do the same thing. If you have enough primers in one spot, it might create a bang. So, but anyway, um, let's see. Uh, someone was asking me, what about the mill uh, that we're talking about? I lost my mic. What's up with my mic? You can hear me? All right. I guess I lost my headphones. So it must have been my dog uh, knocking out my mic. But anyway, I mean my headphones. But anyway, um, so what I was talking about was this Globe article uh, that had a big brouhaha about this mill in Littleton that boasts it has 80 FFLs under one location. So hats off. Here's to you, Massachusetts. Uh, you you hold something in the gun world that's not about gun control or violating your your 
Second Amendment rights, it's actually a win. You're you're the highest concentration of FFLs in the country. Uh, but anyway, uh, you know, I really like the place. I like a lot of the guys there. Uh, they're doing a great job, and they're really saying, hey, you know what? We don't agree with your edict or your press release, and we're going to continue to do what we legally are able to do and come and get us. And they, uh, you know... Uh, have that prerogative to do it, and I think it's great that they're doing it. And uh, they're really taunting the AG to to go ahead and charge me. And they know that they won't because it'll set bad legal precedents uh, for them. So anyway, that's just what I think. But uh, I'm going to figure out, Jerry, uh, if USCCA has made some necessary changes so that they can service New York. Uh, but he said that they stopped servicing New York uh, because of the lawsuit that was initiated, initiated by Cuomo um, against the NRA and their form of insurance. But that was four or five years ago, so we'll see how that goes. Um, I'll, I already texted my area rep to see if they're you know, still not up and running in New York. Uh, so um, just think if you don't comply and you're a felon, you don't have to worry about it anymore and you can carry anything you want, gun, knife, machine gun, who cares because they help criminals get out of jail anyway. Yeah, you're right about that. A lot of the states have revolving door, um, you know, catch and release of criminals. Uh, so there you go. Um, being a patriot isn't easy or without risk in trying times. Yes, I would agree with that um, as well. Uh, it just depends what kind of patriot you're going to be. Um, are you going to be the sneaky kind or the one out and in your face and or the one that says, I disagree with this law. I'm going to like administratively comply, but I am going to do everything in my power to fight this bogus law until it is defeated. Very similar to what Joe Biden is saying about I will not rest until assault weapons are banned. So that's what we're up against. So I'd rather say, I will not rest until every unconstitutional infringement upon my right has been defeated. And I will comply until uh, you come door to door and want to kick in my door and uh, take what I've legally purchased. Uh, You know, then we're going to have some problems. But... Uh, until then, um, yeah, I'm not going to do something that it goes afoul of the law because I feel I am more of an asset in the fight on the right side of the fight rather than defending myself against unconstitutional laws. So I don't know. That's just how I feel. Um, I wonder if you could get your permit for out in a shed out back. I would say it's probably still the same property, but it's a good question. Um, I bet, (laughs) why do you have that old bread truck in your backyard? Oh, that's where I keep my extra primers. (laughs) They're not in the dwelling. They're out in the old bread truck. See see that says wonder on it? You wonder what's in the bread truck, right? (laughs) Uh, So anyway, um, and there would be warnings all over gun safes if keeping ammo in them was any issue. Good point. Uh, So I would agree with that. Yeah, so... Um, Dan, you want to know a breakdown on what the changes are, but I need to know what changes you're talking about. There's a lot of stuff on the, on the list. Um, and 
We had an earlier commenter about someone who's just got his LTC. He's wondering how to get started. Are we out of time? We are out of time. Rapid fire comes and goes quickly, folks. So I apologize. Thank you for tuning in. Remember, the show ends here, but you can always tune in at Rapid Fire Radio. I'll do an extended version of question and answer on the other side of this. Uh, But if you're listening uh, online or on the podcast, you're out of luck. Keep up the good fight. Be a local advocate in your community. And together as Americans, we can overcome anything. God bless. I'll see you next time. I'm Toby Leary.